Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to On Point. This episode is with Kyle Camp from V2P Nutrition to talk about an experience I had while going hardcore keto. I mean, I was hardcore keto, but I was only hardcore keto for about 11 days and then really started second-guessing the diet for me and the uh, unintended consequences and just what I was noticing, how I felt, and that just generated a ton of different questions for Kyle, which is why we chose to do another podcast, and I just learned a ton, not just only about the keto diet, but about my own body, what I need to do, and then just tons of nutrition questions in general that just led to a really good conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy. I hope you guys can learn from my experience. Um, Your body is different than my body, so maybe it'll be different for you. But I did keto, really, really strict keto for less than two weeks, but I definitely learned a ton. And uh, moving forward, I'll be trying different things just for fun as well, just to see what my body likes or doesn't like. So kind of fun to experiment, kind of fun to discipline yourself to um, certain things for a certain period of time just to show show that you can actually conquer your own mind and your own um, cravings and all this stuff. Just have self-discipline. I think that's actually something cool to uh, exercise every once in a while, and I definitely did that here. But outside of that, guys, appreciate you for listening. Be sure to go check Kyle out. He's got a lot of really good information. I love his philosophy when it comes to nutrition, and I think you guys are going to definitely dig this episode. So, all right, I'll catch you guys in the end. Bye. You could have a podcast through the messages I've been sending you. <laughs> there's been, there's been I'm so storing many. it all for a rainy day just to record it myself. <laughs> I, I was I kept expecting to be like, yeah, one of my uh, people that I coach without using names is uh, check out what this is this idiot's doing, and <laughs> I just I kept I kept you know expecting to see something and one of my questions pop up in your feed or something. I'm like, yeah, that's that's me, <laughs> but. Dude, I sent you, I don't know how many messages about, because I, long story short, this this podcast came about through me starting keto uh, right at the beginning of the month, and then that naturally led into a ton of questions, and which you were the uh, recipient of, so I apologize about all the questions, <laughs> but um, let's get started with a quick introduction, just uh, so people can realize who I'm talking to again on here. Sure, yeah, so... <clears throat> First of all, no apologies for the questions. I love it. I love what I do. So I, I enjoy the questions. You're always welcome to send me them. Uh, Kyle Camp, I'm a dietitian and we, my wife and I own a company called Valley to Peak Nutrition, uh, where we essentially help people who are interested in the outdoors, either prepare to go in the outdoors from a nutrition standpoint, or, you know, maybe they've got a long trip coming up that they're not quite sure how to, how to plan for from a nutrition end. So we help people set up those things and try to accomplish the stuff that, you know, they love to do. And it's going really well for you guys. Cause you just actually quit the hospital. You're saying now you're full-time Valley to peak nutrition, right? Right. Yeah. So I worked at <clears throat> Valley to peak. We started about four years ago, four, four and a half years ago. And, you know, it was sort of something that at first I did, you know, occasionally and on the weekends and evenings and, it grew and uh, to the point of where really the last year it was a second full-time job. And, you know, of course I was a, I was a dietitian at a hospital here in Idaho uh, full-time as well. So, you know, it was basically the last year doing nothing but working. And, um, you know, my, we started a looking at the toll that was taking and then B, you know, running the numbers and seeing if we could make it work to make this sort of our full-time, uh, my full-time job. And, uh, we did. So I, you know, I resigned from the hospital, put in a four weeks notice. I'm a, you know, a month into this full time and 
obviously there's a tremendous mental relief when you go from working two jobs to one. Um, but even that there's just a, there's something that changes when you can put all of your energy into one thing, as opposed to, you know, really trying to juggle two things. And I liked my job at the hospital, so I still wanted to do it well. And, um, it's, it's, it's tough to have that much mental energy to invest in two jobs, you know, to be a good husband. We've got a two and two year old little boy. So, you know, wanting to be present in his life too, it was tough, but I knew that, you know, I knew that like, that's the buy-in, right? If you want the the side thing to become the full-time thing, it's, it's what you do at least for a period of time. And I knew that. So um, we're, we're just humbled and grateful to be here now. And it's, it's awesome, man. We're having fun. Well, congrats. And uh, I, I, I'm not surprised. We'll put it that way. You, uh, you're really good at what you do. And I was telling, telling you earlier off the, off the podcast, but just so folks can hear my, my perspective on you is, is just, you take things that aren't common sense that probably should be, but you make sense of them in a, in a way that, like I said, even I can understand them. And, you know, somebody has like zero training in, in that area. And I think that's why you're so successful. It just, it just, you allow people to, to live their lives and eat what they want and, and just be smart about it. And I think that's, you know, that's really is missing. There's no agenda. It's just, you need to do what works for you and eat the foods that you want, but be responsible and, and make sure you're doing it right. And I think that's the most lackadaisical best way I've, I've seen, honestly, you're the only one that talks like that. And it doesn't have to be hardcore or anything. It's just this, this is, this is what, you know, that's, that's what I like about it. I appreciate that. And it makes me feel good to hear you say that because that's the goal, right? There is, there is so much confusion around nutrition. Um, and, and frankly, most of what you hear, somebody in there somewhere is wanting you to purchase something, right? Like p- purchase this to tell me the next secret. And like, yes, I do nutrition, quote unquote, coaching for people. Um, but there's really no secrets, right? It's, it's just walking you through, this is how nutrition works. This is the why. this is why it works that way. Like, you know, what, what, so, you know, I am a dietitian, but essentially what we offer is kind of nutrition coaching to help people get from where they are to where they want to be over a period of time. When you hire a business coach in this space, sort of the mantra is keep the people confused, right? Keep them coming back. Keep it. So there's always just this little bit of like, where they're not sure. And I hate that, <laughs> right? I mean, people will say, well, how do you know if you've done well with a client? If I work myself out of a job, then I know that I've done well. Hmm. If you understand nutrition so well after spending a period of weeks with us that you can't really picture why you would need to stay in the program beyond just accountability, then I've done my job. So we spend quite a bit of time, you know, I used to do meal planning, which would help people, you know, they, it, would, it would make them be reliant on me, um, but that wasn't the goal. So we shifted to spending a ton of energy on here's, here's, and this will be great lead into the podcast, but here's why you can include carbohydrates in your diet. Here's why you can go out to eat with your wife. Here's why you can have pizza with your son and not blow your, your nutrition goals or your training goals for hunting season out of the water. 
right? So we walk through why it's that. Why don't you need 790 grams of protein like all of the bros tell you? Why, why do you only really need, you know, 100 to 150 grams for, you know, someone who's a certain body weight? So education is a big priority and accountability and, and those type of things. So yes, I try to make it simple <laughs> and, uh, and uh, just understandable for everybody. Well, and, and it makes sense working yourself out of a job. If you help somebody, it's like teaching a man to fish versus just giving him a fish. And so you kind of take the the mindset of teaching somebody to fish and then they're self-sufficient. So, well, it's so much more rewarding, right? I mean, it's, it's so much more rewarding when you see someone, you know, like, so if people hadn't listened to the first couple of podcasts that we had done, I sort of stumbled into being a dietitian because I lost 140 pounds, you know, 10 to 15 years ago, some, somewhere in that neighborhood. And I remember just the confusion of like, man, I like feeling my way through the dark. Like, I guess I'm doing this right. The weight's still coming off. And, that was pre keto, pre fad, anything that was just like trying to figure it out. So remembering the confusion, knowing the sort of the mental and physical struggles that come with trying to lose weight, you know, having had experienced that myself, I think adds an additional component of motivation for wanting to help people who I know are feeling the same thing versus just saying, Hey, here's a meal plan. Good luck. Call me in a month if anything goes wrong. And, you know, if not, we'll work up another meal plan in a month, you know, see you around or whatever. That's just, they'll be successful, but then they come back to you and they, they still are confused. Right. And that confusion is one of the biggest drivers as to why people can't maintain the weight they've lost. Everybody's great at losing some, but they struggle to manage it. Kind of like you and I had talked about off air just because of how, just how unrealistic some of the strategies are with some of these more popular dietary approaches. Right. Right. Well, let's get into, let's get into what I did and, um, and what, (laughs) what I experienced. (laughs) I, I mean, I, I did what a lot of people do. I went keto. Okay. And I, I don't know why. Um, I think that I was just going to the gym and I wasn't controlling my diet outside of the gym, right? And so I was like, maybe I can shortcut this. And I I know I talked about this a little bit with you on the first podcast. I'm like, well, you know, what if I just did keto for a little while to to get that initial loss or that initial like fat burn and then I was like good about it. And you're like, yeah, I don't don't think so. (laughs) And um, so I tried that anyways. And so that shows how good I listened. But um, so I tried it. I was going to do it for a month. And uh, I wanted to burn some fat before season and, and, you know, rabbit ears cut. And um, so I started keto, I think, uh, like the 30th of August or July, right? And then um, I was keto up until last um, last Sunday, I believe, or Saturday. So I was keto for almost two weeks, almost. So not very long. But through that, I learned a ton about my body reacting to keto. And so I, I, it just caused me to have a million freaking questions. And my <laughs> wife did it for a year very successfully. She did it crazily, crazy strict for about a year and had great success with it, was, was just working, doing, doing the whole thing. And, um, yeah, so I want to get into what I, I want to get into the how of keto because basically, you know, Keto is like super, like no carbs, practically very, very, very little carbs, fat, and uh, protein. And I think it was like, I want to say I was shooting for 20, a maximum of 20 carbs a day. I think in the 
11 or 12 days I did keto, I had, you know, less than 200 carbs for sure. Less than 200 carbs. I was probably, the, my first week I had maybe 100 carbs. And then, I was, like I said, I was really freaking strict with it. And I was probably I was probably averaging 5 to 10 carbs a day is what I was averaging. Um, so average that out over 10 or 11 days, you know, I, I, I might've been under a hundred carbs for the whole, whole time I was on there, but yeah. So I'm really curious, you know, I started noticing that I was having some issues with my site. Um, and it wasn't like I, I was going blind or anything, but I was having a really hard time focusing on different distances between, you know, it could be 10 feet to, hundred yards. I would just have a really hard time focusing. Like I would try and focus on license plates that I could pick up on, like on, I got pretty good eyes. I got 15, 20 vision and I was just having a hard time getting license plates like I usually do or picking up on things. And it just was, wasn't easy. It was like a camera that just couldn't focus, you know? Um, have you seen that? Is that a thing? Was I, am I full of shit here? What's going on? Well, it's, uh, so it's not a, it's not a thing in that, you know, I'm trying to think of maybe something else that would you could compare it to, but it's not like everyone who follows the ketogenic diet. There's just you know mass reports of people being unable to focus on objects that are relatively close to them. Now, if you look at sort of the function of the ketogenic diet and you look at it from a you know from like a human um, biochemistry standpoint. What happens with the ketogenic diet? So normally, let's say that your diet did include carbs, and let's let's even go you know a step further and say that those carbs were quote unquote healthy, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, kind of what you know your mom's always told you to eat. When you eat those, regardless of the quality, even your body essentially converts all of those into three very simple sugars for absorption, and it has to convert it into one of those threes, one of those three simple sugars, so it can be absorbed in the the small intestines for calories. The main, the 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 main fuel source of every cell in the human body, including the brain, including even red blood cells, is glucose. That's one of those simple sugars. When you take carbohydrates, even healthy ones, out of the diet and you eat a high-fat diet that is relatively low in carbohydrate, your body doesn't have the ability to produce these sugars that fuel the cells. So it comes up with an alternative pathway for survival, and it uses ketones, right? And so while it will work, while you will survive, while you won't die and you will function, there's a big difference between what works and what's preferred from the body, right? So when you eliminate the body's primary fuel source, yeah, you'll survive, but it's not going to be, you, you will notice some differences in terms of how you feel. So without adequate fuel to the brain, it makes sense where you might experience some of the things that you had experienced. Now, Without question, there's someone listening who's tried this or is following it and has been following it for years and would say, boy, when I did it, I experienced so much more clarity, hmm. right? And now this this loops back into the conversation of kind of where I fit in, like where a nutrition coach fits in. A lot of folks in my position, dietitians, things like that would say, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. You, you might experience that, but here's what science says, and that's what you need to follow. And you can't do that, right? You can't argue with someone's subjective experience and you have to 
really, and this is where the coaching piece comes in, build a relationship with someone and understand what works best for them. So for this person who says, man, I experienced so much more clarity. This was so much easier for me to adhere to um, versus other things I had tried in the past. Sounds like you've got a great plan that you can follow. But for you, you know, and, and you and I have talked a little bit about what you've experienced. That's not necessarily true. Right. And so for you, we need to find an alternative way. Yeah. Well, I, I can tell you that being keto was really easy for me up until the point where my schedule just wasn't allowing it to conveniently. Like I would have had to have planned in advance what I was going to eat through the last, you know, for the last two days that I was keto. Um, my dad was moving. I got up early in the morning and didn't have time to eat, didn't want to eat and helped him move. And then around 1030, um, I'm like, I got to get something in my belly. Like I am freaking starving. And so I went to the store, grabbed some, uh, some, some sort of nut and, uh, was eating those and those had more carbs than I was wanting to have. I think I probably ate like 25 carbs cause that whole bag was, was, and it minus, minus, um, the fiber, right. Or whatever that rule is. So, um, you know, and then I had a, a barbecue to go to a big pig roast. I'm like, sweet, I can be keto there. And then just the whole time I'm like, man, you know, I, I just, I was driving around and I'm like, I just, I don't like this feeling. Like my body felt good. Like I felt like I wasn't constantly digesting food or if I felt like I wasn't lethargic or bloated or anything, like my body felt good. And I was finally getting, um, after the first few days of keto, I was really lagging at the gym. Like I killed a bear, for example, um, just a few days into being keto, I killed a bear 200 yards down into the bottom of this little unit. And it took me 25 minutes to get him out. And I was getting winded so fast. Like I had no fuel and my body hadn't adapted or switched over yet. I don't think. And, and I just was literally like, holy crap. Like I am so screwed. I had no energy to get that. And it wasn't even a big bear. <clears throat> and then fast forward a few days, I'm going to the gym still. And now I'm finally starting to get my, my, my stamina back and, and, and I feel good and I can, I can do as many reps and, and actually I was, I was actually starting to do a little bit more reps, um, than normal. And I just felt really good. But when it came to that Saturday where I had to help my dad move and, and then I went to that barbecue, I'm like, man, you know, maybe I just need to, maybe I just need to drop this thing. I wanted to do it for a whole month and cut, but I'm not actually seeing the results I was wanting to see in the 11 days, which I know, you know, squirrel, that's pretty fast 11 days, but I lost six pounds in the first two or three days. Um, it was all water weight, right? I think, but, um, so walk me through that. Um, I, there's <laughs> well, a lot, to, there's a lot to digest there. So, but help, help me break some of that apart. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot to unpack there. So one, let's talk about this initial weight loss you'd experienced when you consume carbohydrates, right? Your body is essentially sending everything to the processing plant. And this processing plant has a boss, let's call him the supervisor, and the supervisor is essentially asking, does Garrett need this fuel right now? And if the answer to that is no, then it's got the decision to make. Okay, do we want to send it to the warehouse uh, that's close by here inside? Or do we want to send it off, you know, the warehouse down the road for long-term storage? So first, he's going to make sure that the warehouse that you're already at is full before he sends it away. Mm -hmm. This proverbial warehouse that's close is called glycogen stores. So when you metabolize carbohydrate, 
if these glycogen stores are not full, that's going to be the first thing that fills up. If they are full, then it sends it for long-term storage, which of course is fat, but we'll touch on that later. These glycogen stores, when full, can hold as many as two to four grams of water for every one gram of glycogen that's stored, right? So when you deplete your store of stored carbohydrates, you're also losing two to four grams of water for every gram of glycogen you lose. Well, there's 400 grams or more of glycogen in some of the spots that you store them in. So you could, you could per perceivably lose as many as four to six, seven, eight pounds right out of the gate. And it'd simply be the loss of these carbohydrate stores and the water that's attached to these molecules. Hmm. Right. So then you go into this bear scenario and you go into helping your dad. And so while while being on a ketogenic diet can work, right? You were able to get out of that 200 yard hole. Again, right. there's a difference between what works and what's preferred from, from a body standpoint. The type of activity that you were asking your body to do is something called glycolytic, which me simply means the breakdown of glycogen or it requires glycogen for fuel. It requires these carbohydrate stores for fuel, which by the way, are in your muscle. So if you've removed those and you're now asking your body to go do something that requires the exact fuel that you've removed, it would be like going on a road trip and getting in a car with no gas in it. You're not going to really be able to go anywhere. Right. And then, and then second, second to that, you, you know, you talked a little bit about a term that's floating around in there called metabolic flexibility. You called about adapting, right? Turning over, shifting the corner and yeah. being a quote unquote fat burner as opposed to a carbohydrate burner. And the body is way smarter than our special terminology, right? Mm -hmm. It is going to take whatever you're giving it and create what it needs, regardless of time or energy turn, anything like that. So we know that as the pendulum switch, so we think about activity and performance, and we're still talking about the bear, as activity or as as what we call the VO2 max, as your as your perceived rate of exertion, as you work harder, the pendulum shift happens where you go from burning fat into burning carbohydrates. So like you and I sitting here right now in our office, the body's preferred fuel source is mostly fat. It's, it's using fat, either stored or consumed fat. But as you become active, that pendulum shifts. The more active you become, the more the rate of exertion goes up, which means the harder you work, i.e. climbing a mountain with a bear on your back, the more that the pendulum shifts to almost a 100% utilization of carbohydrate. So if you're asking the body to do something that's, you know, nearly all depends on carbs, but there's nothing there, it's going to exhaust you, right? Now, it's probably not going to have a major effect on you while you're sitting in your office. But if you're planning to do something in the mountains, it's going to be a bit of a different story. Now, even the breakdown, because, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about the brain and we talked about red blood cells and those type of things. And I don't want to get too lost in the nerdery of that, but those are heavily dependent on those simple sugars for function. So even the breakdown of fat produces a component of carbohydrate, right? So the breakdown of fat produces something called glycerol and fatty acids. And again, I don't want to get too nerdy here, but that glycerol piece is essentially metabolized or, or, or functions like 
a, a carbohydrate to give your body some glucose because there are some things in your body that has to have that. And so again, our bodies are just so much smarter than our ideologies and our, you know, manipulation of macros and our manipulate, you know, all of these different things that we always talk about. And that's, and frankly, I think that that's why, like you talked earlier about, well, you know, you explain things so simply it's because it is right. Like part of this, part of what makes people successful following a nutrition plan is you set it up for something they just like, right. You just like it because at the end of the day, some of these nuanced numbers that people are talking about on, you know, Facebook posts about, well, you need to be at this many grams of this and that many grams of that. It's like, no, you don't. The body is much smarter than that. If you eat, I mean, there are some non-negotiables that have to be there, but if those boxes are checked, a lot of this has to do with what you, what you prefer, what your preferences are. And that just makes it so much more doable for people as opposed to asking them to adhere to something they don't like. Hmm. Well, I, I want, I want to go through some of my thought process errors because I know there's some errors in the way that I was thinking and going into this thing. And this is going to lead me down to some questions that I, that I actually asked you. And, and you know, like I said, our, our conversation through texts would have literally been a great podcast. I mean, I mean, just, it was just, yeah, I mean, I can even go back and read some of the questions in there. But so when I, when I started keto, it was with the intent to burn fat. And my understanding of keto is that it's running off of fat. And if you're not, uh, I guess, providing it enough, it will eventually start eating the fat you have stored quicker than it would on a regular diet. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. Like I said, thought process errors, I'm sure, are well, you can just pick and grab which ones you want. So that's why I did it. I'm like, well, I'm just going to run on fat, and then I'm going to keep working out, and then I'm going to burn. I'm going to try and burn as much fat as I can before season. And then I started talking to you, and I'm like, well, where does a calorie deficit come in versus being on a carb de deficit? Because I'm having like hardly any carbs. Like I said, let's just call it 10 carbs a day. Very realistic. Maybe my probably was less, but let's just call it 10 carbs a day. I know I'm probably um, using more than that because I'm going to the gym and I'm running and I'm doing a lot of heavier lifting right now, a lot of legs um, before season. And I'm just confused, you know, calorie deficit, carb deficit. What's the body think there? Can you unpack that for me? Yeah, and I think that, you know, it was unintentional, but that foundation that we laid just a little bit ago in how dynamic the body is and its ability to be able to convert one of our nutrients into another to give it what it needs mm -hmm. is, is a really good foundation to have ahead of time. Cool. Right. So fat, fat, when you, when you, when you look at the ketogenic diet, the idea is, is because you're consuming higher fat, lower carbohydrate, you are in quote unquote fat burning mode. So you will be metabolizing fat as a source of energy, but that does not mean that it's tapping into stored fat, which is what everyone wants, right? When they say, I want to be a fat burner, what they're saying is, right. I want to lose weight. I want to lose the fat that is stored on my body is, is what they're saying. And that happens only with energy deprivation because of that dynamic shift that metabolism has, right? So if you're, if you're not in energy deprivation from any of the major nutrients, right? So we call these macronutrients, large nutrients, you need them in large quantities. And those are, you know, every, everyone's familiar with the terms, proteins, carbohydrates, and fats. If there's not an energy deprivation, a total energy deprivation because of that 
of the body's ability to dynamically shift between fuels, you will not lose weight, whether it's in a carbohydrate de uh, carbohydrate deficit or a, uh, a fat deficit, right? Like you, you've seen people lose weight years ago, everybody would go low fat, they would lose weight too. So because of that, because of the body's ability to shift between things, we know that unless there's an energy deprivation, you will not lose weight no matter how you approach it, meaning low carbs, low fat, hopefully you're not doing low protein um, or any other scenario that you could possibly think of. Right. I wasn't doing right, so. Any, I don't know yeah. if that or go ahead. <clears throat> go ahead. Well, I, I was I was trying to do like I forget what the split was, but it was like 15 percent protein um so like five or ten percent fats and then the rest of it would have been um whatever's left not carbs but uh something else but anyways there was there was a ratio there that i was trying to follow and and um try, just trying to keep the carbs down and i was thinking like if i'm just doing that i'll burn fat quicker is so that is a giant is that i guess what i'm asking is if I'm working out and I'm short on carbs, the the stuff that I'm taking in, the food that I'm taking in is going to create carbs out of that, even though it's a low, even though I'm not eating the carbs, my body's going to produce the carbs anyways. It could, so it, it, it will, so the, by, the byproduct of fat metabolism will produce some kind of simple sugar, we'll call it a carb for the sake of this, mm -hmm. will produce some type of carbohydrate to give the brain uh, energy, et cetera. Now the brain will also function on ketones, but that's a separate topic. If, if you are if you eliminate all carbs, but the total fat consumption is not lower than what you need, you will not lose weight regardless of if there's carbohydrates in the diet or not. Right. So we go back to that personification of metabolism a minute ago where I said there's a boss and, you know, in the logistics coordinator room asking, does he need this? Well, maybe maybe that one room is full, but he still is going to send things to long term storage if the calories are too high. Right. Like you can't proceed, you know, under and I know this is sort of this is sort of um unconceivable most people probably wouldn't believe this but this kind of what you're saying if i i could perceivably eat as much fat as i wanted to right as much fat as i wanted to and eliminate carbs and lose weight and we know that's not true right i mean how many stories are out there of you know scenario one i did that i did keto i didn't lose a single pound well when you get and i've had meetings with people in the office at the hospital as well in valley p and you get into the nitty gritty of it, which is a part of that is taking their dietary recalls and comparing their total calorie uh, intake to what their calorie needs are. You realize you're right. You had no carbs, but your calorie intake was blown out of the water. And that's why you gained weight. That's scenario one. Scenario two would be the guy that's kind of like you, right? Like, okay, so I started this diet. I had some great results right out of the gate. And then it stopped because the body's metabolism is adaptive, meaning the calorie needs that you start at your weight in your weight loss journey will not calories you finish at. You have to constantly manipulate that number to perpetuate the weight loss to where you want to be at. So yeah, you did eliminate carbs. You did create a calorie deficit in the beginning. And then the quote unquote plateau happened because your body adapted to that, but the calories didn't change. So it didn't get you to your goal weight. Right. And that's the same reason why I, I think I have 
I mean, I have 25 or 30 clients right now. Um, and all of them, except for one is eating well over 150 grams of carbs per day. Some of them at 300 and losing weight. Right. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and the reason why that is, is because that's a calorie deficit for that person. Right. So regardless of the approach of the strategy, energy deprivation, or simply put a calorie deficit is foundational prerequisite that has to happen. If you want weight loss to happen, if you're in an energy deficit, the body will use stored fat as and, and produce energy, right? So because it's not getting what it needs, it breaks down fat and uses it as energy until, you know, you get to your goal weight. There's a lot of assumptions in there, but that's right. essentially what's happening. So what you're saying is that, so if I was just keto and I was just strictly keto and I just lived my life and I was doing a good job, I would plateau. Like I lost six to six pounds and then it just, it just, I didn't lose any more weight granted i only did it for less than two weeks i know i sound like a giant pussy but i only did it for two weeks and i would have technically stayed there if i didn't change anything we're making a lot of assumptions um but for for very so if we're going to keep this very very basic and simple and not rabbit trail yes that is essentially what you're talking really? about yeah now unless there was a deficit a of, yeah yeah, there's a lot of variables that we're not talking about that could affect this scale number. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm not, we're not taking that into account, but essentially at the core of your question, yes, you're right. You can't begin a nutrition program and expect to never change anything about that and reach your goal weight, right? So I lost 140 pounds 10, 13 years ago, whatever it was. My in calorie intake did not match what I started it at. I weighed 270 pounds, right? And I got to 130 pounds. My end calorie intake was not what I started at, at 270. It changed over that year or whatever. And, um, you know, so yes, when people experience a plateau, your body has essentially adapted to the curveball you had thrown at it. It had gotten used to it. And if you don't change anything else, the weight loss will stop. That is the core of a plateau. And so when you say change, obviously you mean decrease it even further because your body's more basically more efficient off of what it's running on. Well, and that's that's where I say it depends on how deep you want a rabbit trail, right? Because there are so <laughs> many different variables. And this is this is I mean, this is a lot of what I spend my day having dialogue with people about is okay, what are all these variables? And why are we here? Let's figure out, number one, what's caused it. And then number two, how do we get around it? So it, it could be, it could be reducing the calories more. It could be activity. It could be that your calorie intake that you think you're having is incorrect. I mean, most study, there's a lot of really great studies floating around where you take people who have a background in nutrition and they analyze an in, in an inpatient setting they control the calories for a person and then they have that person estimate how many calories they're consuming. And we find that the average person over or underestimates how many calories they're consuming by 14 to over 2000 per day, right? So you look at what you've been eating and you think, oh, this is about 1300. And then you have someone with a background in food and nutrition who understands calorie intake also calculate, calculate that you find out, oh, wow, well, this is more like 2,500 or 3,000. <laughs> Jesus. Right. And so I think a lot of times what happens is perception 
is, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm dieting. I just don't understand what's going wrong. And the harsh reality that we just can't get around is you're just, you're not, you're, you, you know, I understand and I'm not discounting the fact that you've been giving effort. That's not what I'm saying. I understand you've been giving effort, but there still is a truth that we can't get around. You're not in a deficit. And we know that because you haven't lost a single pound, whether that's following keto, whether you're high carb, whether you're plant-based, whether you're vegan, whether you're organic and GMO, whatever, right? It doesn't matter what you're following. If there's no deficit, nothing's happening. Well, I, I just, I thought it would be fun to experiment with it. Cause my, I saw my wife had such great success with it, but she was just so disciplined. Um, you know, we had, she had a wedding she was trying to look a certain way for. So she had a, a giant motivation there, but, um, I was just more doing it cause I wanted to just, honestly, I just wanted to experiment. I thought it would be fun, but I also wanted to cut before hunting season and I still can. Um, but it just doesn't seem like it was working the way that I originally had an, anticipated it to work. And I, I, I don't, I think I learned more about keto by actually doing it than, than what I was anticipating. Cause I, I always thought that if you just stayed in a constant, constant state of ketosis, that you're just burning fat, walking around as a, as a human fat burning machine. And I never took in consideration ca- uh, calorie so let's, intake. Let's, but let's pause that there. You are burning fat, but not necessarily stored fat. And that's the difference, that's right? That's what like, I there's would this, there's this assumption that, well, if I follow the ketogenic diet, I will be burning fat. And the, you know, the general population believes that means I'm burning stored fat. No, you're not. You're not burning stored fat unless there's energy, total energy deprivation, right? right? So you are, you are essentially burning burning fat you're really creating ketones as an alternative fuel source but you are essentially burning fat but it's not necessarily or it's not necessarily stored fat and that's the difference right that's and that's where you know you had had a question in our messages well what's the difference between a calorie deficit and a carb deficit yeah the weight the weight's not moving regardless of approach unless there's a calorie deficit you could be metabolizing fat as your fuel source but it doesn't mean it's tapping into stored fat unless there is also energy deprivation right and so then that leads to the question of like well why follow keto exactly that's where <laughs> right? i'm at I mean, if, <laughs> if at the end of the day if at the end of the day i can include things that i love have better results of you know doing things i love like helping my dad move pack out a bear and be able to have better quote-unquote performance in the gym why wouldn't i you know include some carbohydrate and then then it needs to lead into a conversation of okay I probably can't drink a 22 ounce Coca-Cola every day and eat a box of Twinkies. And you know, my breakfast really can't be a Frappuccino. Like you got to bring some balance in there, but we have this very, very solid, like black and white mentality of, Oh no, I'm either going to be a complete fat burner and eliminate all carbs, or I'm going to just go full send and eat whatever I want. Who cares about the weight? Who cares about anything? I'm doing what I want. There's this thing in the middle called, I mean, really, and this is unpopular, right? In the, (laughs) in the hunting world, especially where everybody's like, keep hammering, be hardcore. And there's this thing in the middle called good enough, right? Where you don't have to be on this side that says, (laughs) You know, I'm hardcore keto, no carbohydrates for me. I'll live till I'm 195. Yeah, that was me I'm for 11 sparing days. All of, you know, <laughs> sparing all of my human cells and this, that, and the other. And then you've got the other side. It's like, oh, keto's for, you know, keto's for pansies. And I'm just going to eat whatever I want, fuel forever, <laughs> right. and gut it out on the mountain. It's like, well, there's this giant spot in the middle that says, well, hold on a second. Like, 
what if you can have pizza with your son? You, you, not the whole box, but maybe you can have a couple of slices with him every Friday. Like why ruin that tradition for the name of, in the name of right? really nothing, right? Like now we've talked about it. Well, you are metabolizing fat, but it, not necessarily stored fat unless you're in an energy deprivation, which can also happen with carbohydrate consumption, which yields better performance, you know, and that's not just anecdotally, that's what we've seen in studies, right? So why not? Right. (laughs) And that's, and that's where you get into conversations with people and it's like, okay, what's going to work the best for you? Because that's what we should do. I mean, I've had people say, look, it's just easier for me to stick to a higher fat, higher protein diet. And that's exactly what you should do. But if you're struggling to adhere to something like that, how can we bring some balance to it? Well, I was thinking about maybe switching, you know, some things that I, you know, do a regular diet, but also incorporate some of the things that I did like about the, about the keto diet where, you know, like keto bread and and keto buns and stuff like that. I, I, it, it has a net zero carb. So it has like around nine grams of carbs and nine grams of fiber. And so they cancel each other out, they say. Um, and I was thinking maybe incorporating that into my regular diet, maybe that would just be like a healthier alternative to eating regular bread. What, what do you think of, about that? I mean, it, it, it depends on the sum of the parts, right? Like, and, and I'm, I'll come back to, I had another thought. I'm kind of like a squirrel <laughs> and my, my brain just goes in a hundred different directions when I talk about stuff like this, but it depends on the sum of the parts. Yeah, that'd be great. If somehow at the end of the day, you still end up in an energy, you know, deficit and feel like you've got enough of what you need, whatever that is to function on a day-to-day basis, to pack a bear off of a mountain, to help your dad move, to, Mm -hmm. to do those things. Right. But to me, it loops back around to, you know, what asking the question of what, what is it about that, that you like? Honestly, I, I don't like it. Uh, as much as regular bread, I just like the fact that it has a zero net carb and I feel like I'm eating healthier, I guess. I don't know. It still has calories. It still has calories. Exactly. And that's the point I was trying to make. It's perception, right? It's cultural perception that somehow this is healthier when in reality it's not because if you can achieve an energy, energy deprivation with something you love like real bread and you can achieve an energy deprivation with keto bread, why not eat what you like? I mean, that's going to make you, that's going to help you stick to it. And that's the the piece that I rabbit trailed on is a lot of what we haven't talked about yet is consistency. If you do something sometimes and then kind of something else, another, you have whatever you follow, you've got to be consistent in for a prolonged period of time. Right. Right. And so it goes back to your six pound piece. Maybe it would have moved, right? Maybe if you did it for 21 days or 30 days, you might've went down to nine pounds lost and then 11 pounds. We don't know. But whatever a person does, they've got to feel like they enjoy it because you're going to have to be consistent with it to really see any meaningful change happen. And, and two, we'll jump back to the net carb piece. So the perception is, is that whenever any type of product has a, a car, a carbohydrate number of, we'll use your example of nine, and then there's a fiber content, fiber is an undigestible nutrient. So a lot of companies will say that it cancels out since it's unabsorbed when in reality it still yields some energy so the you'll read the calorie label on some breads and it will say like 20 calories for a slice and you think oh my gosh this is amazing but when you do the long math on the nutrients that's in there 
that's not what's in there. It's far higher in calories. So I've mm. caught that on a couple of people's uh, intake analysis. We've made changes. And so this goes back to, well, there's so many variables involved with the plateau. It had seemed like a plateau. So I did a, you know, I went, I did a deep dive in what they were eating and found that the, the company had been logging it at a lower calorie. We logged it accurately. And then the weight loss continued. Really? Right. So, hmm. So the, even this perception of what you think is healthy is mark, marketing labeling at its best, right? So there's four calories per gram of carbohydrate. And in reality, even fiber is going to yield something like 2.3 calories per gram. So there still is an energy yield there, though it's not necessarily enough that requires labeling laws. So they label it as nothing. That's crazy. And that meanwhile you're eating meanwhile it, you're eating it you're thinking you're eating nothing but you've plateaued quote unquote now we get you know we do an analysis of the logs we find out well this is you know you've been eating cuz this is healthy you've been eating six slices a day calling it nothing and really it's <laughs> right. 250 calories. Right. Right. So hmm. I mean those type of things matter. The, 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 those type of things matter because it all goes back to again nothing's happening if there's no energy deficit. So people try you know, I think that sometimes people feel like, you know, people like me think they're not trying. I don't ever think that. I know you've tried, but something's off, right? Something's right. just still not working, and we need to figure out what that is. Yeah, it's the bastards making the labels. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they, I, I can promise you they don't care about your health. <laughs> man, it's just frustrating because I'm, like, reading it for what it, you know, at its word, you know, and you think it's accurate, and then – it just makes makes it just want you to throw your hands up in the air. I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to go buy Dairy Queen. You know, like I'm just so frustrated with it. Which leads us right back to the square one, right? Why not just eat the things that you enjoy in a portion controlled manner that puts you in some kind of a deficit to achieve the goal, right? I mean, it's so much easier to know that you can have, I mean, literally people, people will sometimes sign on and they'll say, okay, like, do you have a list of good and bad foods that I shouldn't eat? I'm like, no, there is there. That doesn't exist. Hmm. It, everything can fit, right? There's, there's no good and bad foods. It's always the dose that makes the poison. And that's something that we go back to so much. Um, and in, in the work that I've been so grateful to do with people is it's always the dose. It's never, there's never anything good and bad. It's always how much. Well, one thing I, I enjoyed about being on keto is that I could have my diet Pepsis. Um, cause there was no carbs in them. Right. Um, I don't know how many calories they had, if any, or a bunch. Um, but I've always heard soft drinks equal soft stomach or soft belly. Is there any truth to that or what, what is the effects of soda on the body, especially if you're trying to cut? Well, it depends. It depends, right? And you said the keyword a minute ago, um, there a minute ago. Is the soda diet or is it not? And if it's not, it has a dramatic effect because it's all carbohydrate, right? It's all calories. And this is, you know, so like high fructose corn syrup gets a really poor reputation. And one of the reasons is it's so easy to pack a lot of calories in a very small punch, right? I mean, a 20 ounce soda is going to have two to 300 calories. If I were to make two to 300 calories of eggs, vegetables for you, you probably wouldn't be able to finish the plate, right? Whereas you could pound a soda in a two mile block. If right. it was hot outside, you'd been mowing grass. It's right. easy to consume that many calories. 
So when you look at diet soda, and I'm sure I'll get hate mail on this, but again, I'm just the I'm just the <laughs> I'm just the messenger. Okay, when you look at diet soda, there's a lot of new reports that say diet soda makes you weight gain or gain weight. The chemical composition of the artificial sweeteners, which is what everyone blames that on, literally contain no calories. They cannot, you, you know, the law of thermodynamics, you can't produce energy where there is none. So, or, or destroy it. With no energy in those nutrients, it literally can't cause you to gain weight. So again, you, you know, people like me will read the studies and then even people who necessarily aren't necessarily in nutrition. When you read the studies, you find out what happens is people, when they study excess weight gain with soda consumption, it's, it's common behaviors that some diet soda drinkers have in common. For example, well, I save my calories on there. So yes, I will take both apple pies today. Right. So it's, it's because they have perceivably, um, saved calories in one place, they'll allow themselves to indulge in another, which increases calorie intake, which leads to weight gain. So it's not necessarily the artificial sweeteners themselves driving weight gain. We've studied this again, right? Where it's like when you, when people control their calorie intakes and have diet soda, the weight maintains itself. It's always a behavior that causes the weight gain, but the article reads what diet soda causes weight gain. And that's not that's not the full story. You have to read the study. And even more importantly than that, you have to read the contents of the study uh, to really understand, okay, should I, should I buy into this? Is this really that bad or is it not? So uh, I forget what your, your mantra was as far as sodas and soft, flat belly soft or not, drinks, but soft diet, belly. <laughs> that's what no, I heard. So diet sodas, if caloric intake is equated for and assuming you're not you know you're not just pounding them all day because there is a balance of health here right like water is still good mm -hmm. does not lead to weight gain and oftentimes you know bodybuilders who are trying to get ready for a, a show over a period of time their calorie deficit is so deep they'll rely on diet sodas to fill their stomach so they don't feel as hungry and they're certainly not gaining any weight from doing that so diet sodas will not lead to weight gain according to, you know, everything we just talked about here, regular sodas will absolutely lead to weight gain if it puts you in a calorie surplus. Good. So now I don't feel so bad about drinking so much soda. <laughs> Again, that goes back to the conversation of balance. Right? Like, <laughs> Good enough. Not, I, I don't, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't throw this like in the health column um, in terms of like, in terms of disease prevention, but uh, at the same time, it's, it's also not, again, according to science, is not this like, you know, most people feel like they stare at a can of diet soda. They may as well sign their death certificate. Yeah. And it's it's just not that. Well, I've, I've always heard people, you know, I quit drinking soda and I lost this many pounds. I'm like, man, you know, I wonder. And, you know, I've heard people blame it on the carb, uh, um, carbonation. Like, oh, yeah, well, your body holds on to the carbonation or something like that. I'm like. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't sound right to me, but you know, like what, what's the truth there about carbon? I mean, we have had, we have, I, I have worked with people, you know, like namely truck drivers who would come in the outpatient clinic yeah. at the hospital where it's like, you know, they would tell me, look, I, I drink soda all day on the road. I will have them change nothing in their diet. You can still get Casey's pizza. You can still eat bags of M&Ms. You can still you know, go to the local truck stop and order five double cheeseburgers. 
just stop drinking the soda or switch to diet and that's all they'll change and they'll lose weight nearly immediately really just from that change because of the calorie reduction right it's so easy to get so many calories in 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 a soda so when you tell them just to stop that and nothing else it creates an energy deficit below what they had been consuming so weight loss happens right carbonation i mean carbon carbonated water is is that it's water with gas in it it's there's nothing in it it can't cause you to weight gain weight good good to know good to know because these are all things i've heard like i've actually heard these said plenty of times so if you apply some logic to that have you heard anyone say oh i'll tell you that Lacroix water sure makes me gain weight well it's carbonated (laughs) water that's right yeah nobody's complaining about that if anything it's like oh man i started drinking LaCroix water and instantly I started yeah. losing weight. And uh, as a matter of fact, that afternoon I saved two baby seals and yeah. uh, <laughs> it, it's, you know, so like if you just apply logic to it, even you're like, yeah. well, that can't be right. Yeah. You know, we went through that LaCroix phase like everybody else did. That shit tastes like shit. I hate, I do not like it. I mean, you're convincing <laughs> yourself it tastes good as you're drinking it. It's like, oh, this one's actually, I can actually drink this one. And it's like still not even it, no, I'm just gonna throw it out there. Lacroix sucks. All those things suck. If you have to, you have to try 15 different flavors just to find one that you like. You should just move on to Diet Pepsi. Just, yeah. just <laughs> oh, it's yeah. funny. But um, so you know, we're we're dispelling a lot of myths that I've heard. Um, you know, and and that one, the way that you put it there, completely completely makes sense to me. <laughs> I've never heard anybody say that, you know, sparkling water or whatever had made him, made him fat. But so let's, uh, let's kind of switch corners here, I guess, moving forward. I've, I've also want to play around with, um, I should have done like a YouTube series on this, um, where I like mess around with certain diets for a month. And so I've thought about depending on how my hunt season goes, being the carnivore diet for a month. Um, if I was going to try the carnivore diet for a month, which I think would actually be pretty easy. Um, like I said, being keto was really easy when I was home every day and I just, I just, you know, had to open the fridge and I could be keto living your life made it really impossible. I think being on a carnivore diet, I could probably do the same thing. Um, although when I wanted to go out and like live my life, having a steak in my pocket wouldn't, you know, be very easy, but I guess where I'm getting with this is if I was going to do the carnivore diet, what would be some things that I would want to watch out for or pay attention to? I'm glad you said that. So again, we're assuming caveats like, you know, (laughs) what's going to be the easiest for people to stick to. I had a conversation with um, a guy last week about this who had emailed me about this and the greatest concern there, and this is something else we really haven't talked about when you look at ketogenic diet as opposed to others, is chronic health, right? And you know, part of part of nutrition and planning and nutrition is the prevention of chronic disease, right? It's eliminating that risk and not only being able to have a greater quantity of life, but good quality as well. And so we know that there are foods that are high in carbohydrate, quote unquote that have a lot of really, really good nutrients for preventing long-term chronic health problems, namely fruits, veggies, things like that. And, and even to simplify it, even if we weren't going to break those down, 
an increased or a higher fiber intake is one of the greatest drivers of the prevention for colon cancer. It's one of the greatest drivers for the prevention or management of some cholesterol, right? So when you talk about following a diet that essentially eliminates all of those things, yeah, there's a little bit of a risk or a little bit of a concern there. Will you see anything happen in a year? No, two years, probably not. Five, maybe not. 10, 15, 20. I don't know. I don't want to find out. <laughs> but <laughs> right. what but what studies tell us is, yeah, a, a lot of, you know, when people have low intakes of those things, the risk for some of these chronic diseases do go up. And that's undebatable. I mean, that's large studies with a lot of people in them. Um, so, you know, I feel safe and I feel confident applying that broadly. The second thing is the, you know, the byproduct of grilled meats is known and associated with causing some cancer, right? So if you have now eliminated the things that help prevent, and again, not like you're never going to get cancer if you eat these things, but there is, it is shown a lower propensity for it to happen to you if you have a diet high in fruits, veggies, whole grains, nuts, things like that. If you now eliminate those things and dramatically increase your intake of something known to increase the risk, you know, broadly, to me, it doesn't paint a good picture. Yeah. Um, and probably isn't something that I would tell someone they should follow. Right. And again, I think you have to weave it back into the conversation of, okay, you love meat. Well, then let's include that in your diet, but you don't need to eliminate these other things too, because literally one of the greatest properties of fruits and vegetables, whole grain, nuts, beans, fibers, types of things is that they literally attach to some of these harmful particles and carry them out of your body. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's they're like small hands. Hmm. And so when you, t when you stop eating them, the risk obviously goes up. And so, yeah, to me, I mean, to me, and I may never know you, right. I mean, I, I may, you're reading this stuff on a forum right now and people are telling you how great it is, but truly what about five, 10, 15, 20, 25 years from now? And, you know, people will say, say, well, like, well, that's what our ancestors did. Yeah. But they also had a pretty rich intake of fruits and veggies and some of these other things too, and whole right. grains. I mean, the, even biblical times, there's accounts of diets rich in this stuff. Yeah, there was meat, but it was also a lot of these other things as well. So again, it goes back to balance. Well, I I just you know like I've heard of guys going carnivore or keto and they have health issues and they then they, they disappear when they go to this carnivore diet or the kid you know the kid quits having seizures when he starts keto or you know you always hear these miracle things that happen. I'm just wondering you know like. What is it about our, our natural daily American diets that are causing us to um, have these health problems? But when you switch to like, like, for example, I watched this thing on Netflix about the keto diet and it was total pro keto, just a hundred percent pro keto diet. So I, I get there's probably some bullshit in there, but um, you know, it documented this kid who was having seizures and all sorts of things and health problems. And he went keto and then he quit having near as many of them. I mean, almost none. And it was just like, man, you know, like what about his diet was causing that or, and I just always think I'm like, we're, we're consuming things that I can't even pronounce all the time. So let's, let's, so let's hit pause there. The ketogenic diet, the, the gold standard for the treatment of epilepsy is the ketogenic diet, really? especially in kids, right? So the ketogenic diet originated in the 1920s as a treatment modality for people, especially kids who had 
epilepsy, right? A diagnosed genetic thing that was given to them. So for that small population, <laughs> right, the gold standard is yeah. that diet. I mean, that is where it originated what about from. It? And it's what about it? There's just there's something to do with less glucose to the brain in that diagnosis in epilepsy and the function of ketones in the brain as opposed to glucose for them. That's better, right? Like we talked about earlier, you experienced a terrible thing with it. And you've got other guys that are like, oh, well, I just felt so much more, you know, clear minded. Okay, yeah. well, then pursue it. If you don't have any problems with it and you're not trying to haul a bear out, knock your socks off. Yeah. Right. So I think that that's one piece of it. And then um, you had asked, oh, you say, well, you know, there's accounts of all of these people trying these different diets and they show health improvement. The question that's never asked or the story that's never paralleled is, what did your life look like before that? Was it Dairy Queen and McDonald's and donuts every day and, you know, no exercise. And now you started exercising and, oh, well, my cholesterol got better and you lost 50 pounds in the process too. Maybe that's it, right? Maybe it's, maybe you achieved a deficit through the carnivore diet. Right. You added in activity, you stopped eating all of this other stuff that wasn't great for you. So you experienced health improvements. Should we be so surprised? I mean, I, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Right. But what would be equally interesting is what if you take a person who is already active and was already eating a pretty moderate diet, but included fruits and vegetables and foods that are quote unquote, high carb. And then you switch them to this other one. Did, did they see any additional health improvements? Yeah. I right. was uh, I was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast. You know who Chad Mendez is? He's a UFC fighter. Oh, yeah. He um, sure. it, it'd be a good listen for it because he talks about his diet and stuff and and what he's experimented with and and um, he had uh, psoriasis, that skin condition, and he said when yeah. he started, um, he heard you know it went away for some folks with the carnivore diet, and so he tried it and he said about a month later he was almost clear and he's like and then when he goes back to eating regular it shows back up. So to me, I'm thinking elimination diet you just need to figure out what you're eating that's causing that it's not necessarily yep. the carnivore diet that's fixing it but there's something in your diet that you need to eliminate that is probably causing that you are a smart man mr weaver that's exactly what we would do <laughs> in in the hospital oh, right? right is but but then again like and and i understand where this comes from that's a lot of work and frankly it's not a lot of work that people want to do so it's just easier, right, to say, well, screw it, all this you meat. And right. rather than eliminate things, progressively add them back in, give it a time period between each additional new food, keep documentation of how you feel. That's a lot of work. Yeah. But the reward at the end of that is, oh, well, I've, I've honed in on what was affecting that. And I still have a broad list of things that I can eat um, as opposed to, you know, basically all I'm allowed to eat now is meat. And don't get me wrong. I love meat. I love, I mean, we're almost in September. There's nothing I look forward to more than being going out in September yeah. and, and trying to fill our freezer. But I, I would miss a lot of things if I just committed my life to only me. That's just not, you know, like right. my son's going to have a lot of birthday parties. So am I, do I want a life where I can never eat a slice of cake again for the sake of ketosis or anything else? I don't. <laughs> yeah. Maybe someone does, but I certainly don't. Well, well, we covered quite a bit, and um, I appreciate your time back on here, man. Is there anything else that you want to add before we close this thing up? 
No, I don't think so, man. I appreciate you having me too. And uh, you always ask such great questions. I appreciate your <laughs> insight. And yeah. I, I really appreciate your, um, you're always like, you're always very receptive and very inquisitive, right? I mean, you, you're never really come at it with an angle, even in our own separate conversations. And I just appreciate your inquisitive nature and the way that you like to give information to people. And um, I don't know, I just appreciate you and I appreciate you having me on. Oh, awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it. Why don't you give folks a place to find you? So now that you're doing this full time, I better get you some more clients. <laughs> yeah, I got kids sitting <laughs> to college. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so it's Valley to Peak Nutrition and, you know, all of the social media handles are V2P Nutrition and the two is the number. So it's V2PNutrition.com, Instagram, Facebook, all of that. And yeah, I'd be happy to answer questions or talk with anyone. I love that part of it. So. All right, man. Well, I appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, for those listening, be sure to go check them out. And uh, yeah, I think you'd be happy that you did. So, all right, guys, appreciate it. All right, guys, that's this episode of the podcast. Thank you, Kyle, for coming on to the show. That's VT, V2P Nutrition. And uh, be sure to go check him out. He's always down to answer questions and help you come up with your own goals and your own uh, basically program on, on how to get there and what it's going to take for you to reach your goals. Um, great philosophy, great mindset, and just a total great dude, honestly. He's just a, just a really nice really nice dude so uh, be sure to go support him and check out his uh, platform there and outside of that guys appreciate you for listening if you have time leave a leave a, a review on itunes it's been a while since we've had a review i know those do help somehow in the algorithm so if you want to sh- see the show grow and do better and expand that's one way that you can do it non-monetarily uh, we do have a patreon page www.patreon.com slash on point um, and there's you know, that's that another option for you guys as well. But outside of that, as always, appreciate you for listening, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye.